Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, has their fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products as well? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, just go to TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live and direct from the City of Angels. Hopefully you are well. We got day baseball taking place, and uh, apparently NyQuil works for Steven Strasburg. Embarrassing story coming out of uh, D.C., uh, but... um, Strasburg getting a chance to right his own kind of personal wrong. We'll get to that upcoming. But uh, so much to discuss. Absolutely a ton to discuss in regards to to Major League Baseball. And I I actually want to relate it to what's going on with the New York Giants. That because John Farrell was relieved of his duties today as manager of the Boston Red Sox. Now, in regards to... um, in regards to Farrell, I mean, John Farrell, you know, there's two jobs that you have if you're a if you're a manager, right? It's like two different things. 
One is you got to win in the regular season to get to the postseason. Then we started kind of, and that's managing the egos, managing your lineup, fighting through injuries, all of these things. Farrell, of course, came over or came back to Boston after being the pitching coach. Of course, was the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, But so much of what took place, so much of what took place is because it's really, really hard to be promoted from essentially within. And I know he came back from Toronto. But John Farrell's persona, his uh, the way in which he carried himself, the things in which he did as pitching coach, didn't work as manager, which is kind of similar to what's happening with Ben McAdoo and the New York Giants. Ben McAdoo, of course, remember, came over for a year with uh, from the Green Bay Packers was the offensive coordinator and helped kind of resurrect the career of Eli Manning after he led the league in interceptions. They tried to implement the offense that that Aaron Rodgers used. And even though McAdoo had never really called plays with Aaron Rodgers, it was, hey, if that offense can do for Aaron Rodgers, why can't an offense do the same for Eli Manning? So, um, McAdoo is coaching a team that's 0-5 and like, likely to be 0-6. Not only did they lose Odell Beckham Jr. earlier today, uh, earlier this week uh, for the, or last weekend, for the year with a broken ankle, uh, but the, they, they go on the road to Denver. That's an almost unwinnable game. They have no healthy wide receivers. And Dominic Rogers camardi left the team, suspended from the team, walked away from the team because he wasn't playing well. He didn't like playing the slot, didn't like how he's being handled. They get into an argument during the game, and it carries over into the week. I'm not saying this is even the Peter principle, right? Peter principle, of course, is when you're promoted above the level of your aptitude. I'm saying I think it's hard to be promoted as a coordinator within the same organization in which you were a coordinator. Like Kyle Shanahan's doing a nice job in San Francisco. Sean McVay's doing a nice job with the Rams. Those guys were both coordinators last year. But they were coordinators with different franchises. And like, look, there's, there's, there's a couple different levels to it. I mean, I think the first level is like Dirk Cutter was the coordinator with the Tampa Buccaneers, got promoted to being a head coach, and that's had some mixed reviews. Part of the problem with being that coordinator is no matter how much you want to talk about defense, if you're an offensive guy, they still look at you as a defensive, as an offensive guy. He didn't really care about us. He doesn't really know about us. He's only pretending to. But the biggest issue is, the biggest issue is you have to go from being good cop to being bad cop. That's really hard to do. It's easy to go from being good cop all the time to being bad cop if you're not in the same precinct. It's hard to do it within the same precinct. It's hard to completely change your persona. And that persona has to change if you want to be a head coach. Here's Ben McAdoo earlier today on Dominic Rogers Camardi. DRC came in yesterday. We had a, a conversation that was personal upstairs. Came in today, decided to leave. We will suspend him. Is this something that came out of nowhere? Came yeah, up conversation to you? yesterday. He came in uh, to the building this morning, decided to leave, and uh, we will put him on suspension. Does that have anything to do with what happened Sunday? That's all I have for you right now. 
how long is it taking for? That's all I have for you right now. And that's all I have for you right now. So, look, I, I think that uh, that McAdoo's trying to be a tougher guy, trying to, trying to admin, administer justice for the team, trying to show some resiliency. He's got a mess on his hands. And, look, I don't blame him. Even if, even if the defensive coaches are wrong for how they're handling Dominic rogers Camardi. The fact is that, like, hey, right now, dude, we just don't have time for you to be to be complaining. We just don't. We have no healthy wide receivers. None. Uh, we're starting to figure out a running game. Our offensive line has been a disaster. We have to go on the road to Denver. We Like, we have so many issues that if you're going to be the sticky wheel, we can't give you all the grease. you got to just be gone. So I, I don't even know, and I don't think any of us understand um, fully whose side of the argument we should be on. And even with that said, you should be on the Giants management and coaches side of the argument because of all the other stuff going on. But the bigger issue is in relation to John Farrell, who of course uh, managed the Boston Red Sox to not one, but two divisional crowns, excuse me, uh, regular season divisional crowns. I think the hardest part was he was seen as the pitching coach, John Farrell. And it's really hard to be seen as pitching coach, John Farrell into manager, John Farrell. Ben McAdoo is seen as offensive coordinator, Ben McAdoo. It's hard for him to be seen as head coach, Ben McAdoo. Like within one year of being head coach, Ben McAdoo went from a bowl haircut, literally looked like somebody put a cereal bowl on his head before he cut his hair. So now it's like slick back, like, no, hey, I'm a new guy this year. They're like, no, you're not the same guy. As opposed to had Ben McAdoo gone out and taken any other job in the league. Any other job in the league, he might be viewed differently. I mean, you guys remember uh, Goodfellas? Right? Remember Joe Pesci's character? Go ahead, music. Well, you had your hand up. Are you referring to when they walk into the bar and is it Billy Bats? Yep. Yep. He gets out of jail and they have the big welcome home party. And uh, Billy Bats has given Joe Pesci a really hard time because. Go get your shine box. Yeah, exactly. When Joe Pesci back in the day used to be known as the shoe shiner, but he had raised the ranks since he was in prison. And then the uh, they basically jumped him because he wouldn't stop running his mouth. They killed him. Yeah. They killed him, right? Uh, by the way, who do you remember who the actor was? Uh, that's that's got Ramos. You got to get that right. The uh, Paul Savino. Uh, wasn't it? Uh, uh, wasn't it Frank uh, Frank Vincent? It could have been Frank Vincent. Yes, Frank, Frank Vincent. I think. Yeah, I think Frank Frank Vincent played Billy Bats. Anyway, which Shinebacks. And and that's how people treat people who are. It's very, very difficult. It's a little different when it's college basketball, when it's college football. Um, because you can bring in new guys who did come to play for you. But Bert, during that first year, I mean, look what Coach O is going through, right? He was at LSU. He had been a head coach before at Ole Miss. He had been an interim head coach before. But he's still Coach O. Coach O is a good guy. Coach goes, when you're a head coach, you can't be the good guy. Sometimes you got to be bad guy. Sometimes you got to play bad cop. 
Uh, my view of why John Farrell, because John Farrell didn't lose the game, lose his job because of his tactics, because of adjustments he made or did not make. No, 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 not at all. John Farrell lost his gig because players didn't like him. They just didn't like him. And right now, the Giants, they have personnel issues that are going to keep them from beat, beating the Denver Broncos. But when Dominic Rogers Camardi walks out on you and you start to lose the locker room, that's players don't like you. And best guess is it's because that move in in basketball they call it the eighteen month the, the the furthest eighteen inches you can ever move from assistant to head coach. It's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to make that move. Um when it's within the same organization. It just is. And it should be the opposite, right? And maybe sometimes it is because you're like, oh, that guy's destined for big things. And maybe in our business, it's like, you know, you're the fill-in guy. Fill-in guy. Like, I've, I've been fill-in guy for different radio shows here, but previously. And you work with people enough and like, yeah, I, but it's different in positions where you're an executive. It just is. Because they see you, even though it should be champion, hey, rose through the ranks of, when you got a bunch of men in a room, the head coach has to be the bad guy sometimes. The assistant coach, a lot of times, the good guy. Sometimes the opposite. Sometimes the the assistant coach is the uh, in are the bad guys, and the head coach is the good guy. But to completely change roles from good cop to bad cop or bad cop to good cop right before their eyes, that's a hard thing to do. Case in point, what happened with the Red Sox? Case in point, what's happening with the New York Giants? Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All the discussion in the early weeks of the NFL season, sure, we talk about star players, but a lot of discussions about offensive line play. And who better to help us with it than the Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz. Uh, he joins us, part of the Built for Tough Offensive Line of the Week that rec- rep- uh, recognizes the NFL's toughest O-lines and who are in the trenches every game making sure the work gets done just like the new 2018 Ford F-150 and the winner is announced every Tuesday afternoon at NFL.com slash Ford. Anthony Munoz joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, who won week five? Eagles. Did they really? <laughs> and week four, Eagles. It's interesting because they weren't playing well to start the year, were they, Anthony? <laughs> You know what? It took them a little bit, and uh, you know we look at that. And first of all, thanks for having me, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about the big guys. Uh, you know, usually we're talking quarterbacks and talking uh, schemes and defensive pass rushers, but uh, it's great to talk about a whole unit. And I've been thrilled. This is uh, you know the built for tough offensive line of the week, as you mentioned, uh, having a chance not just to recognize one, but as you said, the whole offensive line. And uh, yeah, I mean it was one of those things where. Um, you know, and it doesn't surprise me when you're talented and you have a lot of talent on the offensive line that it's going to take a little bit. Um, you know, I think that's just part of the game now. I, that's just my humble opinion with, you know, the way training camps are run, the lack of really not a whole lot of playing time in the preseason. And you're not seeing things, you know, full speed like once you, you hit regular season. And to me, it takes a little bit of time. But like I said, when you, you know, when you have guys like, you know, Peters and, you know, with Newski and Kelsey, and you know, they won't have Lane Johnson this week. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's not going to take a whole lot of time to come together. And, uh, you know, the Eagles, uh, 
you know, have done a great job. You watch Kansas City's offensive line, you know, the Jaguars. I mean, who would have thought the Jaguars, I mean, have played pretty well, you know, uh, the last couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, it, it's exciting to be able to watch and watch them as a group uh, because it, it takes a group. It takes cohesiveness. It takes togetherness. It takes knowing each other. And, uh, you know, especially in the day of free agency, uh, that's one unit that you need to, to really, I, I believe, play together for a few years and get to know each other. And, uh, you know, it's a movement. It's kind of tough, and it's rare if you get guys that are, you know, together for quite a while. One of the um, one of the interesting offensive lines that struggled early in the season that does appear to be performing better is your former team, the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, they lost Andrew Whitworth, who's kind of reestablished the offensive line with the uh, with the LA Rams. Uh, give me, is it is it simply that they're scheming? to get the get rid of the ball quicker so the offensive line doesn't have to block as long or are they or, or have they improved are they just playing better better football and that's why the Bengals offense has protected Andy Dalton better I think it's a combination of the both and of both and you mentioned Andrew Whitworth I mean the guy is still performing uh I'd say he's still one of the top five tackles in the league I mean the guy just keeps on going I think he's 35 years old and uh and having another he's off to, to another excellent start but you not only uh, lose him, but Kevin Zeitler, the right guard, who signed the big contract with the with the Cleveland Browns, and you know you get two tackles that basically have not played a whole lot. They're in their third year. Uh, you know, Boyhee and Fisher, and you have Clint Bowling, who's the veteran. I think at seven eight years, um, and then right guard. You know, you started out with uh, Trey Hopkins. He gets banged up. You got T.J. Johnson, but I think it's a combination. They're playing better plus schemes. I mean, you know, with the offenses now, you can't sit back there. I, I don't care who you are. You can't sit back there with a deep drop and expect to have all day to throw the football because of what the defenses are doing. So they're throwing the quick ones, but they still go downfield. I mean, Sunday you saw AJ hit uh, or um, Dalton hit AJ uh, on a long pass, you know, 70 plus yards. So that took some time. So you know, the young guys are playing better. Uh, they're you know helping them out, scheming better. Uh, so I think with all that being said, I think it takes all of it. It, it takes you playing better. It takes it. The offensive coordinator and the game plan, you know, maybe you help this guy, you slide that way, you chip here, you you know, maybe you keep another guy in to, to protect. So uh, that's what's going on. And uh, it was obvious that, uh, you know, a, a Buffalo Bills defense that, uh, you know, been pretty sad. I, I talked to Jake Fisher Saturday morning. I happened to be at walkthrough, which is rare. I had some people that I, I took there to, to observe. And I asked him, I said, so tell me about the Buffalo Bills defense. He said, he's been here 33 years. He said, probably one of the most disciplined defenses that uh, he has faced in his time here. So they're pretty good coming in. And for them to, to throw the ball the way they did, uh, you know, I was impressed with what they did. They take on the Steelers this week. They start this stretch where they play four of their next five on the road, culminating against the Broncos, probably the most difficult game. But the Steelers are interesting because um, here they sit at three and two atop the same division, and yet it's like the, un, the, the least happy three and two team on earth. Right, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the quarterback throws five picks. That's after the week after Antonio Brown throws a fit. Le'Veon Bell wants a new contract. <clears throat> like you know, nobody. And of course, there's the 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 uh, the flag thing going back a couple weeks ago as well. Let me ask you about yeah. Roethlisberger. Uh, my take on it was, look, I I just kind of think Ben's one of these guys loves a good compliment, right? Everybody knows that. And last year when he said. You know, I don't know. I'm going to have to review whether or not I want to retire or not. That that's one of those more he wants people to want. Everybody wants to be wanted. He wanted to be wanted back. That that was my takeaway. A lot of NFL guys have said, no, that's not what it is. It's that he really thought about retiring, and yet this is what happens when you think about. It. Once you think about it, you are retired. 
You're a retired Hall of Fame player. What's your take on Ben Roethlisberger's struggles? Well, you know, a lot of times it is the quarterback. You know, I've not uh, been privy to, to watch every one of the games. Of course, I was watching the highlights uh, at you know Paul Brown Stadium because we were, you know, I was at the Bengals game and watching the, the picks and the you know pick six and stuff. So I've yet to watch him in person. You know, we do have the bye week coming up, and then we have the Steelers the 22nd. Um, so I will watch more. And, and you know, for me, it's the longer I watch the game, I mean, there's you know, the guys are talented, but I love watching the body, the language. I love watching how they interact, how they used to, how they're still doing it. And to me, that says a lot about, okay, where are you as far as still the love for this game and really wanting to lay it all on the line? And, and I, you know, I, I can watch that way, and, and I love watching that way, and not only while they're on the field but on the sideline. And uh, so I, I'm really curious to hear or to see – after hearing what he said, to see him in live action and see what's going on there. It's Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Anthony Munoz joining us on behalf of the Built for Tough Offensive Line of the Week this week. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, there, there's been a lot of discussions about Carson Wentz and his evolution as a quarterback. H- having played in front of some really talented quarterbacks, when do you know? When do you know? Like uh, we saw the Bears debut, uh, Mitch Trubisky. On Monday night, he was okay. But like, look, golf was bad last year. You give him a good offensive line this year. Give him a better play caller, better skill position, and he appears to be a competent quarterback. Like having having been in those huddles, been in those meeting rooms, been in the locker room. When do you know if you have a dude? Well, you know, I was really fortunate. I got here as a rookie, and we had a quarterback that had been around already for eleven years. Uh, I got to play for him another four. He was an MVP in his thirties, led us to a Super Bowl. Uh, Kenny Anderson, one of the most accurate quarterbacks, uh, you know, to ever play the game. Uh, I, I firmly believe he should be in the Hall of Fame with what he did for 16 years. So he was already in the league, and I got in that huddle, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm playing with Kenny Anderson, man, and he's throwing to Isaac Curtis and, uh, you know, all these touchdowns. But the next guy, when he stepped in the huddle as a rookie, I know myself, it was my fifth year, and I'd been to a Super Bowl, and I'd played, you know, for Kenny Anderson. I said, this guy is ready. I mean, he might have had a big arm and overthrown some guys early on, but Boomer Esiason stepped into our huddle as a rookie, and I was like, oh, baby, I love this guy. I want to go to battle with this guy, and I want to you know, play with this guy because of the passion, the knowledge, uh, you know, the preparation. So I was fortunate. The two quarterbacks I played for, one was established. I knew he, he was already there, and then the next one, man, he stepped into the huddle as a second-round pick and said, you know what, I feel I should have been a first round. I wasn't. I'm a second round, but now I'm starting. I'm going to take the reins, and this is my offense. And we knew as veteran linemen that he was the leader of our offense. So you know right away. You just you just know. Yeah, and then, I mean. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then the play has to, has to follow. And, and he, then the play happens because, you know, you, you're learning a lot, man. You know, NCAA, college football, and NFL are two different cats. But the play comes, but it's how are you going to handle the huddle? How, how are you going to command that respect? Are you or aren't you? Do they, are your guys going to know that you're in there for the long haul, that you, you, you might not have the physical knowledge yet, but it's going to come, but the mental is there. And I knew right away, it should, it should happen right away, especially with these quarterbacks that have played. Hopefully they've played two, three years in, in the college game, and they're used to being that guy, you know. So hopefully – they are not intimidated by guys that are, you know, two to four to six, eight years older than them. 
they're the guys. They were drafted to, to be the guys. So hopefully they, they know that. And you want to see that. Anthony, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right. That's Anthony Munoz, the Hall of Famer. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Here's the pause. Here's the plus side for Texas A&M football. Unbelievably passionate fan base. Now, it's not it's not a fan base that doesn't span uh, the country in terms of, like, if you didn't go to A&M, you're not really an A&M fan. Whereas if you didn't go to Ohio State or you didn't go to Michigan or you didn't go to SC or you didn't go to o- Oklahoma or maybe you didn't go to Texas, but you, you're kind of from around there or fell in love with Vince Young and you didn't go to Georgia, but you were born in the state of Georgia, you're a, you're a dog. A&M doesn't have that, but A&M has – their fan base is ridiculously passionate. Ridiculously passionate. And in terms of location, they're the closest uh, Power 5 conference school to the city of Houston, which is a wellspring for football talent. They've had talented teams in the past. They've had some successful teams in the past. They're incredibly well-funded. Right, great facilities, and yet, if you look at Texas A&M football's records, for the most part, over the 30, 30 years of modern day history, they're like five hundred in conference play. They are, and it's not for lack of trying with different coaches. They had Gene Stallings, who went on to win a national championship at at uh, at Alabama. Uh, Jackie Sherrill was probably their most successful. They had R.C. Slocum, who, of course, uh, uh, had uh, one undefeated season, which they finished ranked eighth in the country. But since 1996, so that's in the last, is that 21 years? 21 years. They've had exactly one, excuse me, two double-digit win seasons. They've had R.C. Slocum. They had Dennis Franchione. Dennis Franchione won everywhere he was except really consistently at Texas A&M. Uh, Mike Sherman came back from the NFL. He did win nine games one year. Hell, even Kevin Sumlin had a, uh, I think he went undefeated at, at Houston. And Kevin Sumlin's had one double digit. They had two really good years. And so, but a, if you ask A&M folks, they're like, we're one of the best, you know, one of the best football programs in the country. Like, you ask anybody else, like, start listing your top 10 college football programs. SC, Ohio State, Michigan, Texas, Florida, Georgia. I mean, look, I think Tex- I think Tennessee gets way too much discussion because there's, I think there will be a lot of players from the state of Tennessee because Nashville is the biggest, uh, has had some of the most growth of any city in the country. But right now it's not, it's not there. Tennessee gets a lot more discussion than it should. But Oklahoma, I mean, you kind of go around the country and you start Florida State. Uh, you'd even put Miami ahead of Texas A&M in terms of perception, national perception, Penn State, Stanford. But you ask Texas A&M, they're like, oh, we're that's U.S. That's that's the U.S. Men's National Team. Like we've never gotten to the Final Four, have we? We've never really broken through. Yet we have all the resources. We should have the bet. We should have the best of the best. The truth is, we don't. It's just like. Texas A&M rarely gets the best kids from the state of Texas. Right? Those kids go national or those kids go to Texas. 
They get Texas A&M kids. They've done better with Kevin Sumlin, just like Pulisic is better than maybe any player we've ever had. But we've never had the best athletes in the United States, not to play soccer. Those guys all play. Ask yourself, in your high school, the best athletes in your high school, what sport they play? Football or basketball? Maybe baseball. I can't think of any high school that I know of which the best high school athletes, just the best kids in your high school, play soccer. So I think there's a lot of Texas A&M, which our expectations are through the roof, and yet the fact is, you look historically, and this is kind of who we are. And because of our arrogance, and because, look, we ran off Jurgen Klinsmann because he wanted to play young dudes, most of whom did not grow up playing in the United States, and... Though those young dudes maybe hadn't come through yet, it was a long-term play. It was a long-term play. I guess we didn't trust the process. Went back to the old dudes yesterday, and that didn't work. Trinidad, not the problem. Tobago was Tobago was the problem. Surrounded by big water. Huge, huge water. I mean, dude, we lost to Trinidad and Tobago, which is akin to LSU losing to who they lose to two weeks ago. They lost to Troy. Similar. Similar. Man, only if Coach O was Bruce Arians, right? Come on. Well, you know, we Tigers. We Tigers. We Tigers. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Strasburg apparently had initially passed on pitching today because he hadn't been feeling well. And Dusty Baker... Dusty Baker kind of said, well, you know, he's been under the weather. It might be the mold this time of year. Meaning it's, look, it's cold. It's yucky. It's moist. It's October. I, I just, I can't possibly fathom somebody going to a guy who purports himself to be an ace, a guy whose agent has told the world he's one of the great pitchers in baseball and going like, Eh, thanks, no thanks. Not, I'll give it a try and see what I got, Skip. And look, if the flu's really bother me, come get me. No. Not, not feeling it. So they were going to go with Trevor... Trevor who? Who? Right? Like, if I told you to name the Washington Nationals starters... I'm like, hey, name the Washington Nationals starting pitchers. You'd go, I know Max Scherzer. I know Steven Strasburg. And then Gio Gonzalez. And who's the fourth? Tanner Rourke is their fourth starter. Tanner who? Tanner Rourke. Uh, Tanner Rourke, been in the league for four years. Kind of innings eater, grinder. Uh, didn't have a great year, 4.67 ERA, but he's their fourth best starter. Like somebody comes to you and says, hey, do you want to take the ball or not? Like Scherzer can go in game five. Can you go in game four? Nah. What? Huh? Now, he's going to pitch, and apparently he's feeling up to it, right? But I I kind of think he got guilted into doing it. That's just an awful look. And and for a for a starting pitcher, 
look, I've my my experience has always been has always been that no matter how bad I'm feeling when I play a sport, I feel better. Right when I'm feeling sick, I go work out. Opens up the capillaries, you feel better. Correct. Now in baseball, kind of like in basketball, because everybody touch cannot everybody can touch the ball. You do run the risk of dudes getting sick. Right? Like if you're really feeling, if you really have the flu, the one thing you are concerned about is. Will everybody else get the flu? Plus, you know, you can now go to your mouth with <laughs> blowing your hands to get warm. All that germ, like I'm not a germaphobe, but I do know how germs are passed. And it's not like you can, not like you can go out there to second base or you're a catcher and you can sit there and you can have that uh, that Purell, right? Like, hold on, hold on, time out. I need some Purell. But just put some on second base. Nobody's getting here anyway. Strasburg's dealing, right? Just Purell is an elite, a foreign substance to put on a baseball. Well, what a bad look for Steven Strasburg. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Tonight on Fox Sports 1, Game 5 ALDS, Yankees-Indians. Remember, Indians won 22 in a row, best record in the American League. Last year went to Game 7 on Fox in the, of the World Series, and the Yankees are, in fact, the Yankees. That game starts at 7.30 Eastern time, and you'll hear the voice of Tom and see the face of Tom Verducci uh, patrolling the sidelines. Tom joins us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, is is Girardi managing for his job tonight? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I don't know whether he wants to come back or whether he will be invited back, but obviously a lot will depend on win or lose tonight. Um, you know, I, I actually think, Doug, that when the ball gets the uh, first pitch is thrown by Kluber tonight, there is more pressure, not on the Yankees or Girardi, but on the Cleveland Indians, tremendous amount of pressure. This is a team that set up their rotation to have Corey Kluber pitching this game on his normal rest. The entire rotation of the series was set up around that. Uh, the 102 wins of the regular season, the 22-game winning streak, home field, last year's World Series, everything is riding on this game for, for uh, Cleveland. And I think the Yankees are in a position, and I think they've actually rallied behind Joe Girardi uh, after that Team 2 fiasco that the Yankees have the momentum going forward, then the Indians are just trying to hang on and avoid what would be a, a really crushing loss for this organization given their season this year, their pitcher on the mound, and their season last year. Yeah, uh, I, I'm like, what What happened to Andrew Miller? Like, I know it was the knee, right, that that, that he, he struggled with location because of the knee, and the numbers are still very good this year. And he only gave he's only given up two hits, but one was a home run, but there doesn't seem to be the same fear factor of Andrew Miller this year as opposed to last year. Am I wrong to think that? Uh, no, I think you're right. I think that misplaced fastball to Greg Bird really dented that veneer of Andrew Miller that he could come in and just the world would stop every time he got on the mound, whether there was a righty or lefty. Now you're in a situation where it's not just Bird taking him out, but the fact that there's a matchup mid to late game with Judge and or Sanchez at the plate. Francona has shown he's going to go with Joe, Joe Smith, Smith right. over Miller. And those guys are hitless in their careers against Joe Smith, so I get it. So in some ways, that protects Miller from those three-inning or two-inning outings. But in other ways, it tells you that, yeah, he's not exactly the same beast. Listen, I still think he's the best relief pitcher in baseball. You will see him tonight at some point. Um, but, yeah, because of that knee injury, although he told me he, he thought he threw the ball really well the other night. It was really one bad pitch, but he said he felt great. Uh, why won't why won't Girardi use Holiday instead? He's used Headley, who does not have a hit in the series. 
Yeah, and now it's to the point where Matt has just been on the bench too long. He's not going to play. And um, Ellsbury's going to DH tonight. Uh, yeah, you knew coming in without a left-handed starter, there weren't going to be a lot of at-bats for Holiday. And then when Miller came in the game one, I think it was, uh, when Bird was up, he stayed with Bird against Miller. Actually, lefties have a slightly better chance against Miller. So now Holiday's at the point where he's got so much rust on him. He's a guy with a bigger swing. I don't know how useful he is to the Yankees at this point. I I thought coming in he would play a role because I think he hits good pitching. He's been in big spots. Uh, he's a threat to hit the ball out of the park against good relief pitching. But now I just wonder how useful he can be without uh, without playing time. Yeah, it's crazy what's happening. Mean, it's really crazy what's happened. He started out with such a bang in New York and so well respected by guys like Judge, but then he had that allergic reaction, and then he never really recovered from it and just had a disastrous second half of the season. Tom Verducci joining us uh, from Fox Sports. Fox Sports wins coverage of Yankees. Indians starts tonight at 7.30 Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. Um, Red Sox make a change where John Farrell, who had been their pitching coach, left, goes to Toronto, comes back as their manager, wins the division two different times. He is ousted. Was it? Is it simply wasn't liked? Wasn't well liked enough in the clubhouse? Well, you know, uh, Dave Dombrowski, the president, really left it up to everybody's guesswork by saying that it really didn't matter how far he went in the postseason that they were going to make a change. What was it that would make them run out the guy, the only manager in Red Sox history to win back-to-back division titles? Uh, yeah, I think that was part of it. I don't think that was the only thing that David Price incident with the media had way too much shelf life than it should have had. He didn't stop that in the bud. Uh, to me, I think I'll go back to David Ortiz. This is more fallout from not having David Ortiz there because that team could not hit the ball out of the ballpark, which you have to do in today's game, last in the league in home runs. They weren't an exciting team to watch because of that. And I say that they do have individual exciting players. But nobody with the personality or firepower of David Ortiz, their local TV ratings were way down, some of the biggest drops this year. Uh, that's not on David Browns, uh, on, uh, on John Farrell. That's on the way they put this team together. It was a big hole without Ortiz. So, and don't forget, Dabrowski did not hire John Farrell. So right. he didn't have anything invested in hiring him. So, you know, probably it'll be Alex Cora or Brad Ausmus. Those would be my guesses. Obviously, Dabrowski hired Ausmus in Detroit. He's familiar with him. He's a New England guy. Uh, but they're going to find themselves a power hitter in that lineup. Good young players, but not enough power. Uh, let's let's go over to the Nationals. We're watching them. It's uh, 0-0 in the top of the second inning. Is uh, looks like uh, it's Jason Worth on the bench, not up at bat. It's so hard to tell with everybody having a beard and long hair who's actually up <laughs> when you're when you're watching from a distance. Um, all right, help me with this Strasburg thing, right? Like he was under the weather, so he said no thanks on Game Four. And then after it came out, he said, okay, I guess I'll pitch in game four. Is this, is this on Dusty for letting the cat out of the bag? Or that, that became very public and became very, very weird before the game started and Strasburg was on the hill. Yeah, I agree with you. This is on the entire organization, and they have been kings of drama. They don't handle these things well. You know, Dusty goes out there. First of all, he either was mistaken or didn't know the day that Strasburg actually threw his bullpen. He was wrong about that. Then 24 hours before the game, he rules out Strasburg because he's ill when everybody can see Strasburg on the field that day. Now, all right, you may be ill, but if you were that incapacitated, you wouldn't be on the field to be ruled out for an elimination game when you're on normal rest. None of it added up. And now here they turn around and say, oh, yeah, we are giving him the ball. So there's been a lot of drama around this team postseason's past. We all know about their history, not being able to win big games. The bottom line is they've got the right guy on the mound. He had to start this game. There's no doubt about it. 
the way they arrived at that, I, I thought was embarrassing and mishandled from top down. Um, I kind of feel like the, the the understated story of the postseason so far was the Dodgers' dominance and sweeping of the Diamondbacks, considering how well the Diamondbacks have played against them. Like I, I know that you know, like we'll believe it when we see it when they finally get to the World Series, they get past the Cubs, they get past the Nats. But like, look, people were freaking out in LA about having to play the Diamondbacks. And the Dodgers moved on without some, you know, like look, Kershaw gave up four home runs, but they had a big enough lead. Like, they didn't shrink in the spotlight of playing the Diamondbacks. Am I wrong to think that all this other drama has taken away from the Dodgers actually taking care of business? Yeah, that in the late night starting times where, you know, people on the East Coast are plugged into it. But you're right. They were dominant against the team that had handled them. Now, don't forget, that was during that three, four-week period there where the Dodgers were scuffling. And I, I called it the most overrated, overanalyzed losing streak that I've ever seen. That was a team up by about 21 games, like having a huge lead in the fourth quarter, just, you know, emptying the bench and, and, you know, garbage time, basically. And they got it together at the end of the year. But the way they played against the Diamondbacks to me was so impressive. Number one, I thought Darvish threw the ball great. And number two, the way that their lineup just completely wore out Granke and the Arizona pitchers was unbelievable. The GM, Farhan Zahidi, said it was, the greatest display of grinding out a bat that he's ever seen. Now, I don't know if it's 98 Yankees or 04 Red Sox quality, but it was impressive to see a team that's known for being, you know, let's face it, glamour boys in L.A., to have that blue-collar grinded-out mentality. I mean, that was great playoff baseball that they played. So I'm with you, man. I think they're the team to beat in the National League, whether it's the Cubs or Washington. The Dodgers are going to be a really tough out. Who would they rather play? It's a good question. Uh, I think maybe they want to play the Cubs to get another shot at them after last year. I think the Nationals, when their pitching, starting pitching is on, they got a chance to beat you with starting pitching. I wouldn't say that about the Cubs right now because of Lester and Arietta being something of a question mark. So, uh, to me, I would always go look at the team that has the, the lesser of the starting pitching, and maybe I'm disrespecting the Cubs more than I should. Uh, but I think that much when the national starters are on, they're a handful. I, I, I tend to agree with you. You mentioned grinding out at bats. You mentioned how you have to hit the ball out of the ballpark. I've told people all season long that if you haven't been paying attention to baseball, everybody's changed their approach, and though the home run numbers are historic, no, they've never seen this many home runs in a Major League Baseball season, the games are longer and the lulls are longer as well. I mean, it's, it can be boring. It can be four hours, and you're just waiting for somebody to hit it out of the park. Um, I, I know it's an issue within circle Major League Baseball circles. How do you think they fix it? How do you think they address it? That's a great question, Doug, and I think you're absolutely dead on that the game now has been about home runs and relief pitching. You're seeing that in the postseason. It gets exacerbated now um, because every pitch is so important. Last year, for instance, in the postseason, teams that didn't hit a home run went 3-22. and 22. So those old days when we talked about, you know, grinding out at bats, bunting the guy over, playing small ball, forget it. You're not going to get four or five hits together against pitching in today's game. You're going to try to hit the ball out of the ballpark and change the game there. So waiting for those moments, you're going to see a ton of strikeouts and long at-bats. I think next year we have to see pitch clocks and a limit on visits to the mound. Uh, I know postseason is different, so maybe you can change the rules slightly for postseason play to allow a little more time in between pitches. But we have to move the games along. This is the only entertainment industry that is giving our society less action over a greater period of time. That's the inverse of everything else that's happening in our world today. 
And baseball needs to address that, not just for next year, but if you want this next generation of fans to be your fans 20 years from now, you better change the game a little bit. I, I tend to agree with you. My, my two ideas are you got to move some of those fences back to where they, where they were uh, before you tried to generate more home runs. And when you have relief pitchers, I'm sorry, but you have you have a uh, um, you have a mound out there in the in the uh, uh, in the bullpen. If you check in, you're pitching. I don't need to wait for you to, to to warm up. No other sport has you warm up on the field. Hold on, I'm not loose yet. I got to get loose first. Can you imagine that in the NFL? You change quarterbacks and they stop the game for the guy to throw a couple of passes uh, to his wide receivers to warm up. Or NBA, the guy comes off the bench and he gets you know two minutes to warm up. Come on, they do it in be- in be- and I, they I do it in between maybe- innings too. Dude, in between yeah, innings, too. give you maybe one or two pitches, but we don't need to give these guys eight pitches after they've been warming up for 15 minutes. No question. Tom, you do a great job. Look forward to the coverage tonight. That's Fox Sports 1, 730 Eastern Time. Yankees, Indians. A winner, winner goes on, loser goes home. Thanks so much, Tom. You got it, Doug. Thanks. Isaiah Thomas is baffled why he was dealt to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Boston is going to be all love, he told Sports Illustrated. I might not ever talk to Danny, Danny again. That might not happen. I'll talk to everybody else, but what he did, knowing everything I went through, you don't do that, bro. That's not right. I'm not saying F you, but every team in this situation comes out a year or two later and says we made a mistake. That's what they'll say, too. None of this made any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I'm still asking, what the hell happened? It's a trade you make in NBA 2K. It's not a trade you make in real life. Um, Boston is going to be good. They've got really good players and a great coach, but it takes more than talent. They lost the heart and soul. So I, I just like, look, it's pretty obvious that Isaiah Thomas is like, took it really personal and it's really just business. Okay. Uh, my, my agent actually has has a great saying for this. And any time that you think of things and you say, well, well wait, as a human being, why, whoa, 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 these are not your friends, right? They're just not. They, they over your house all the time. They help raise your kids. They, they a part of your life on a daily basis, right? Like, they're not. People, some of these people, people that make these high decisions, they have they have their own family, they have their own friends. It is business. You can have a very cordial business relationship, but that's just business. And I don't think it's an NBA 2K trade. I think the reality is that uh, they probably maxed out what they could get out of that current group. And he's not wrong. They know they lost their heart and soul. They know they lost kind of the guts of that team. And it wasn't just with him. Right? Like he wasn't the only piece that they lost in their various trades from last year. Like let's let's not let's not forget that last year's Boston Celtics were comprised completely differently. They lost Avery Bradley, who was their best on ball defender. They lost Jay Crowder. They lost Kelly O'Linick. Um so they have eleven new pieces. They know what they were doing. But they had held on and held on and held on to all these picks with the idea that they would only use them if it's something special. And they felt like Kyrie Irving was that something special. Plus, Isaiah Thomas is going to get paid. And he's coming off a hip injury. He didn't play in games three and games four. 
Like I, I understand the pain that comes with leaving a place to which you felt like you should have been, uh, you should have felt more at home. I, I get that. But NBA players, they, they talk about it all the time when they sign a contract. Man, this is business. It ain't personal. Right? And then a move is made that is, in fact, for business, and they take it personally. He's not going to talk to Danny Ainge? Okay. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.